Ready? Yep. Hey, murder lovers. My name's Mackenzie. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. I'm always so self-conscious to say my name. Like, I feel like I'm going to fuck up my own name. (laughs) You're like, I might get this wrong. (laughs) What is it? Should we start this Sunday Easter service? <laughs> Today is Easter. Happy I'm, Easter. I almost said all rise, but that's because I'm that's like in court mode. Your... When can you talk about that? So the the trial should be ended by this week. Can we even say you got picked for a jury? So I can say, I, and I did confirm that, I can say I got picked for, for jury. There's so much I still can't say because I can't talk about the actual case or the trial or how the proceedings are going. But I've learned so, so, so much. And I cannot wait to tell you guys all about it um, just because the process is so intriguing to me. I think it's going to be a Patreon exclusive um, just because... Um, I want there to be some kind of, I don't know, not privacy. Privacy, about it? yeah, right. I don't want it to be something Googleable. So, if that makes Googleable. sense, Googleable. <laughs> yeah, so if that makes sense. So, um, it's, yeah, it's. So I've done grand jury before, and that yeah. was really interesting. I learned a lot about like how they negotiate things. Yes, and see, I've done grand, grand jury before too. Yeah, I did it for a whole month. I was the four person. Me too. Yeah, yeah. See, this is why we're here. Yeah, this is why. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, day and night difference. Where grand jury, you get to sit there and ask. So for those of you who haven't served on a grand jury or outside of the U.S., at least for us, they pick, it was a panel of eight people. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to represent a cross-section of the community, supposedly. And the whoever is bringing charges on someone, so usually the state or, you know, the district attorney, goes in front of this grand jury and says, hey, here's the evidence that we have. Do we have enough for charge A, charge B, charge C? Yeah, essentially and, the grand jury is deciding whether it's going to move to trial. Right, exactly. And as a grand jury, you have the upper hand in that situation and you get to ask questions Mm -hmm. and you get to inquisit about any and everything that you have or any piece of evidence on the spot and sometimes even maybe help a case um, either move to trial or confirm they don't have enough for trial and, and whatnot. So, but in this case for trial jury, you're sitting there quiet. Yeah. You have no questions. You don't ask anything. You don't ask anything. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. I can't wait till I it's know. over. And I can know her. I don't, e- I don't even know everything. No. She's like, she's been the integrity. She's been locking key. She's like, I got picked. I can't tell you what it's about, but I'll tell you when it's over. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> All right. All right. So I got a short one today, which is perfect now that we've chatted it up a little bit here at the beginning. Um, But this is the Easter Sunday Massacre of 1975. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. This feels very different because my grandpa was a pastor. So he literally Mm. would like get up and do Easter Sunday sermon. And now I'm doing Easter Sunday murder. So (laughs) we've come pretty far. He would be so proud. (laughs) Anyway, so without further ado, 
James Urban Rupert was born on April 12th of 1934, and he lived in Hamilton, Ohio. Okay. And he lived there with his older brother. His older brother was two years older than him. And his mom's name was Charity. And when he was born, Charity was not super thrilled because she already had a boy. So she wanted a daughter. Oh, okay. And she made no bones about it with him. She told him that he was a mistake, that she wished that she had a daughter, that he should have been a girl, blah, blah, blah. And that was the beginning of him feeling unwanted and unaccepted by his family and whatever else those feelings may have stirred up. Yeah. Now, his dad's name was Leonard, and his dad had a really violent temper. Um, He didn't really care for either of his sons. He was just kind of, like, there, you know? Yeah. Um, But he died in 1947 when James was just 12 years old, and his older brother was 14 at this point. Now, James's older brother was Leonard Jr. Okay. So he was the namesake child. Mm Mm-hmm. The password child, if you will. The password child. <laughs> I've been seeing on TikTok, like, these dogs that are like, when you know you're the password do- or pet or something like that. <laughs> so he was a password child. His older brother picked on him constantly. He would call him, back in the day, like, you know, calling him a sissy. That's and what stuff I was like that. Yeah. yeah. And would make fun of him for being wimpy and stuff like that. Aww. James was teeny tiny. Um, when he was a full-grown ass adult, he was only five foot five and a hundred and thirty-six pounds. Okay. So I can picture that. He was very, very, very slight in right. comparison to his brother. Obviously, his brother was like you Taller teeny and tiny bigger and you teeny tiny man. Yeah. And he like constantly picked on him because of his size and like saying basically that he wasn't Man enough. He wasn't man enough, yeah, because he didn't fit the bill physically. Stupid. (laughs) Stupid. Stupid. (laughs) James eventually ran away at 16 years old, and he even attempted suicide by trying to hang himself with a sheet. Oh, shit. But he failed and ended up returning back home after that point. He was noted as being... Quote, unremarkable and quiet, which I, we've talked about this before, people that are called unremarkable. I feel like we encounter this a lot. I truly think that that might be like one of the most insulting things you can say about a person. They're unremarkable. Yeah. He's really forgettable. forgettable. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'm just like, that's so mean. Meanwhile, Leonard Jr. apparently was super remarkable. Um, he became very successful in work. He had a very large family. He had actually become an electrical engineer. So he was super smart, had done really well in school and was thriving in that role. And then he went on to marry one of James's ex-girlfriends. Oh, damn. So when he marries James's ex-girlfriend, they have, her name's Alma. They have eight kids. Oh. Meanwhile... There are some reports that James was actually impotent. Oh. And could only get off on, like, his own fantasies, but failed to perform with women. Okay. So this is, like, a double punch in the stomach. Not only does, like, Mr. Steal Your Girl come along and yeah. snatches up your girlfriend <laughs> or whatever. Steal Your Girl. <laughs> but then they proceed to have eight children. And it's your brother. And obviously they have a very active sex life. Yeah. And you... Cannot. Yeah. 
Okay. Like, that's like insult upon injury with like yeah. salt in the wound and rubbed That's in like with right like alcohol. Undercut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's make this as painful as possible. So he was essentially living the life that James wanted and thought should have been his. Yeah. James dropped out of college. He had trained as a draftsman. Now a draftsman is I did the same right? thing. I was um, like, what is that? It is an engineering technician. So he's not an engineer like his uh-huh. brother. He's like one step removed, if you will. Damn. And they do the technical drawings. So they draw mm. equipment, um, buildings, things like that. They will like draw what that looks like. Like the plans for the guts for it. Okay. Essentially, but like less... Less, like, architectural. Like, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of, like, stuff as far as, like, measurements and, like, to scale and stuff like that. It's more like... Sorry. It's more like, this is what it's going to look like. Like, circuit plans. That's yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. So, again, it's almost like keeping up with the Joneses where he's just kind of falling short of his right. brother. By 1975, he was unemployed. He had never been married. He was living at home with his mom. And he's 40 years old at this point. Math. 1975, he was born in 34. Yeah. So he's 41. He was about to turn 41. Not yet. He was coming up just shy of his birthday. Okay. In fact, it was like two weeks prior to his birthday. So his mom had just like had it with him. She was constantly threatening to evict him because in his like depression and things like that, there's reports that he developed some schizophrenic type personalities where he became Uh very paranoid. He thought people were listening to him. He thought his mom installed things in the house to watch him, that kind of stuff. Um, He'd also started drinking every single night. So every night he went out and every night he got blasted. And she was like, if you can afford to go out and drink every night, you Mm -hmm. can afford to pay rent. Yeah. And that's a math for you. Yeah. (laughs) But he wasn't paying rent, so she was getting pissed. She oh, was like, shit. you need to either, like, get a job, pay rent. Contribute. Yeah, or get out. And she was just, like, tired of it. He's 40 years old. Time to, like, fly the coop, basically. Yeah. So he had become super depressed around all that. On top of that, prior to this, he had started, like, working the stock markets and had convinced his mom and his brother to, like, invest in the stock markets. <laughs> Now, in 1973, the stock market crashed, and he lost all of their money. So basically, like, he had taken loans from them Uh, and was like, let me invest this, Mm -hmm. and it will come back to you. They lost it all. So now he's in debt with his brother and his mom for quite a bit of money, and he's like, I I have nothing. I have nothing left at this point. There has to be a lot of money. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. Because I know, I mean, from personal life experience, I have a family member who does stock stock exchanges, and he's starting to. But I think you have to have, like, a $25,000, like, retainer. And then on top of that, you have to have a separate amount of money to just start playing with. But I don't know what that looked like in the 70s. No, right. But How I old mean, is the stock market? Uh, I don't know. Never it's been asked that question. <laughs> past that point, because the Great Depression is a result of the stock market crashing, so... Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Interesting. Yeah. So, he was like, 
going through all of this and his behavior was becoming more and more bizarre with him being very paranoid, thinking people were out to get him, that kind of stuff. So in February of 1975, James goes to a gun store to buy ammo. Uh-oh. And while he's at the gun store, he asks about silencers. Oh. Yeah. 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 And then on March 29th of 1975, the day before Easter Sunday, because um, Easter Sunday is not a fixed holiday, you know? It, right, right. It's whatever. I think it's I don't the know second Sunday of April. Let's Google that real quick. The simple standard definition of Easter is that it is the first Sunday after the full moon that occurs on or after the spring equinox. Oh, that's complicated. That is weird. This is the earliest possible date for Easter is March 22nd, and the latest possible date is April 25th. So it can be anywhere from a month's period. That is... Hate that. Super complicated. If there's a full moon, it winks at you, and your knees hurt, then you're good to have Easter the next weekend. That might be, like, more complicated than leap year, even. I don't get it. Leap year is not very complicated. Leap year feels complicated to me. <laughs> One of my nephews is born on leap year. It's just every so four his, years. Yeah, and he doesn't have a birthday for like... And there's an extra day in February. Yeah, I'm like, so sometimes a day exists and sometimes it doesn't? I don't understand. So then on March 29th of 1975, he's seen... Um, I didn't know what, like, the verb of this is. Target practicing. What, shooting? Yeah, Went but Went to the range? No, because he's, like, practicing on tin cans. So what is the verb? Pra- it's not practicing target shooting, is it? Oh, that's weird. I thought it was just shooting. No, he's, like... He went shooting? They said that he was seen doing target practice, but I feel like there needs to be a way to say that as a verb. Like he was targeting? <laughs> He was targeting Does hands. Like, is he target practicing? <laughs> That's weird. I never thought about that. Yeah. Anyway, my anyway, brain. I'm not going to Google everything today. No, I so. like, sorry. My, no, no. my English degree is like driving me crazy at this point. I spent a lot of time proofreading one yeah, email the other day. target shooting. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. Target shooting. Okay, we'll go with that. Target yeah, shooting. Okay. So he went target shooting on March 29th of 1975, and he's practicing on these tin cans along the Great Miami River, which apparently flows through Ohio. Weird. Makes perfect sense. Right. Miami is in Florida, for those of you who are wondering, that are <laughs> listening overseas right of now. Ohio, yeah, and not so. the same place. Um, oh my gosh, did you see the Florida video that I posted? Yeah, on I did. Oh my God. <laughs> this is so funny. Uh, anyway, so then that night he goes to the 19th Hole Cocktail Lounge. Okay. And there, um, he goes out every single night. Like I said, he goes out and he gets drunk every night. Mm-hmm. So he goes there and he's kind of a regular. So he's talking to one of the workers there. Her name is Wanda Bishop. She's 28 years old. She's a mother of five. And so she later says that James is talking to her about how frustrated he is with his mom and saying that he's got a problem to solve that he doesn't know how to solve. Oh, no. And um, he's like, I don't know what to do if she evicts me. I have nowhere to go. 
Like, I just like, I don't know what's going to happen type thing. And that's where he was like, my mom says, <laughs> sounds funny at 40 years old being like, my mom says, my mom says that if I can afford to drink every night, then I should be able to pay rent. She's not wrong. She's not. Right. She is not. Um, so he's like, I need to go and think about this and like, you know, mull over this problem that I need to solve. Oh God. And so he leaves about 11 p.m., but then he comes back a little bit later. Okay. And Wanda's like, hey, did you solve that problem or whatever? What did like, you? Okay. Because <laughs> she's, like, not totally clear on what the no, problem sure, sure, is. Sure. Except, like, maybe he's trying he, to like, figure out how to come up with rent money, money or something right. like that. Right. That's what I was thinking. And he's like, no, not yet. Okay. He stayed until 2.30 a.m. when the bar finally shut down and he mm-hmm. had to leave. And so he went home and slept it off. The next day was Easter Sunday. So it's March 30th of 1975, Easter Sunday. Leonard Jr. and his wife Alma and all of their kids come over to spend Easter with Grandma. Oh, damn. The kids range in age from 4 to 17 years old. Oh, yeah, there's eight of them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Spread them out. Um... And James is upstairs. He's sleeping off a hangover. So he's like, you guys have fun with your Easter Sunday, whatever. Right. I'll be... In here. Yes. By myself. So the kids did an Easter hunt out in the front yard. um, And then they started getting ready to do kind of an early Easter dinner. And so Charity and Alma and Leonard Jr. are all in the kitchen cooking up Easter dinner. Sure. As one would, you know, doing their family thing. And James wakes up about four and I read something that said that he went downstairs and his brother said to him, how's that Volkswagen treating you? What's that got to do with anything? My, the, there was no elaboration on it. So the only thing I can kind of come up with is like I don't know if his brother said it in a snarky way. Oh. If, like, like, his Volkswagen was having trouble or it was, like, a swipe at him. Like, I don't know if his he drove, like, a Porsche or something like that, you know? But I think it was either... Either that or just asking, like, oh, just using that word instead of alcohol because you don't want to say it in front of the kids or something? Like, how's that hangover treating you? No, I think he was actually talking about a car. <clears throat> oh, Okay. Yeah, I think he was like, how's the Volkswagen treating you as, or like, and I, my guess is it was like a problematic car or something like that. Sure. And apparently. we know he wasn't talking shit about Volkswagen, and I'm just kidding. That's right. <laughs> um, and apparently James like took offense to this and ran back upstairs and was like. That's odd. Yeah. I don't know why this was such a trigger, but this is what was reportedly said to him. But Grandma is with them for Mm -hmm. Easter egg hunt and preparing Mm -hmm. of dinner. Okay. Yeah. Grandma's there. All right. That's his mom. No, I know. Yeah. But just making sure she was still alive. Oh, yeah. No, she's there. She's there. She went home. He had a night. No. (laughs) Okay. She's still there. She's cooking. She's cooking in the kitchen. Gotcha. So he goes back upstairs and... Comes back down, and when he comes back down, he has a loaded magnum, two handguns, and a rifle. Oh, fuck. He goes downstairs to where they're cooking in this kitchen, and 
enters the kitchen and shoots Leonard Jr. in the head, killing him instantly. Oh, my God. He then turns and shoots Alma. And then as his mother is trying to lunge for him, basically, to, like, get him to stop, she's moving towards him. He shoots her in the head and the chest. Jesus. He then turns and goes into the living room where the kids have been playing. Oh, my God. Or, I'm sorry, before we go turn into the living room. Uh, David, who is 11, Teresa, who is 9, and Carol, who is 13, are in the kitchen helping. Oh, God. And he kills them one right after another. Just boom, boom, boom. shit. And then turns and goes into the living room where the other kids are playing. And he shoots Anne, who is 12, Leonard third, who is 17, the oldest. Yeah. Michael, who's 16, Thomas, 15, and John, who is four. Now, John, at four years old, was found with a chocolate Easter egg still halfway wrapped in its tinfoil in his hand. Oh, no. They were all shot in the head. Now, a... And then he went around and shot each person a second time to ensure they were dead. Now, the coroner later said that... The secondary shots actually might have been the head shots and that right. some of the shots were fired to stop people from escaping. So whether he got them in the leg or got them in the chest or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you've gotten them in the arm. Like the initial shots were mostly like to keep them from moving or exiting. Yeah. And the head shots were actually like for the majority, the secondary shots. Like the kill shot. In to ensure that they were actually dead. Whereas uh. his brother was immediately shot in the head and that was like first shot. The kids were like they might have actually been alive when he shot him in the head and killed Damn. them. So there were no signs of a struggle, surprisingly, and that's the part I can't figure out. I'm like, how did the kids hear all of this happening in the kitchen and not make, like, a break for it? But the only sign of a struggle was a t- overturned trash can. Okay. Everything else was, like, <clears throat> undisturbed, order, if you yeah. will. Start to finish, the whole thing was five minutes. Very that's fast. a long time, though. Yeah, yeah, and that's, you know, his estimate. Sure, you know, going by, like, his estimation of time periods. <laughs> Three hours later, James is still sitting at the house with the bodies. Oh, wow. And so, finally, he calls the police and he says, there's been a shooting. Dead. They're all dead. Oh, wow. That's all he says. Hangs up the phone and waits inside the front door for the police to arrive. So, obviously, the police show up and they say that... They enter the crime scene and the there is so much blood. They said blood is saturating the floor. Saturating the floor to the point that it's actually leaking through the floorboards oh, and into shit. the basement. Oh. So it's like if you walked into the basement, blood would drip on you. Oh. So it's raining blood, if you will. And he Stop says it. it's literally just covering the floor. Like well, there's, there's a layer of it. Eight. Eight nine, people ten, with multiple gunshot wounds. Eleven. Yeah, you're right. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yep. Eleven. Eleven bodies full of... Oh, my God. Yep. They said there was an enormous amount of blood. Um. So they arrested James, obviously, and he's charged with 11 counts of aggravated murder. He That's refuses so any type of questioning. And the police gather at the house um, for weapons... And they say altogether 35 rounds were shot. 
Oh my gosh. So each person got upwards of three, three, three to four shots. But we know that Leonard Jr. only got one. We know that he was shot in the head initially. So we don't know if he got more. Okay. Yeah, we don't know. Damn. So he basically sits quiet and he refuses any type of questioning. Now, the trial gets underway and the motive presented is a $300,000 inheritance. That basically if he cleared out the family, he would inherit $300,000 from life insurance, the value of the home, all these different things get him out of his financial troubles. If he got he away with set. it, though. Right, obviously. Um, <clears throat> Which he wasn't going but, to do if he okay, called the cops. So what they said, so here's the thing. The motive was the $300 inheritance, and they said the reason he wasn't answering questions or anything like that is because he was going to plead insanity. And then if he was oh. treated for insanity and deemed no longer a danger to himself or society and then released... He would get it. He would get the inheritance. Exactly. So the insanity plea was basically, they said, like, the motive is this inheritance, and this is how he was going to make it happen. Right. So the first trial, he is convicted of all 11 counts of aggravated murder, but the trial is later declared as a mistrial because they said that he couldn't get a fair trial in Hamilton, and they felt like the jury pool was tainted. Oh, I'm sure, because he... It's kids. Yeah. It's a family. Yep. It's Easter. It's got all kinds of elements that are going exactly. to taint a potential jury pool. Yeah. So they do the second trial, and that's held in June of 1975, not very much of time later. He's found guilty again and sentenced again to 11 consecutive life sentences. Then James's team appeals, and they went on appeal. The hell? And a new trial is granted in 1982. This is where they really lean into the insanity defense. So his attorney personally hired and paid for a psychiatric team and a psychological, so psychiatrists and psychologists mm-hmm. to come in, do a full workup, if you will, yeah. and say insanity. <clears throat> so in July of tw- July twenty third of nineteen eighty two, the insanity thing is basically saying like he. Back then it wasn't called schizophrenia, but basically saying he was a paranoid schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Um, and he thought his family was out to get him. And these were all the troubles that they had had growing up and everything mm-hmm. like that. And so in a psychological schizophrenic episode, mm-hmm. he broke and killed all of them. Sure. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Here's where things get, like, crazy. Hmm. So, on July 23rd of 1982, he is found guilty on two counts of first-degree murder for his mother and his brother, but not guilty for the other counts, the nine other counts. You're shitting me. By reason of insanity. Um. I'm glad it makes sense to you, because it does not make sense to me. Yeah. Like, how can you be insane, not insane when you kill the first two people, and then be insane for all the rest within, like, a 30-second period? Well, I mean, I'm I'm no expert, but I could see how you killed the two people. Those two, you would actually 
come to some money because of that, like the inheritance. Mm-hmm. And the rest you either did out of panic because, oh shit, I just did that, killed people. And now there's either witnesses or what the fuck am I doing? I, I, it feels very premeditated, though. <clears throat> like, you go into it to kill two people. Surely you and your head know that you're going to have to deal with the other nine. Huh. I, like, could not understand. Being on this jury's fucked my mind, man. I know. I mean, I wish you could, like, talk about it to analyze it, but... No, I know, but it's, like, what I'm thinking is... I can see it. I can see it in the sense of like, yeah, I can see how they would present it in the way of like, he intentionally killed these two people. And then in the realization that he had killed two people, Mm -hmm. he lost his mind and killed the rest. Like, I can see that. I can't understand how you would buy it. I'm not saying how it would make sense. Yeah. Or that it's right. But I see how they presented that. I see how they presented it. I think it's a bunch of baloney. Oh, yeah. 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 And I can't believe that people actually fell for it. For nine counts, that's a yeah, lot. That's a lot but of insanity. Also, but that's also <laughs> probably what they're attributing to the insanity that the amount of dead people at this point, like nine is like you must be fucking nuts. But at the same time, you didn't come downstairs with four guns to kill just two people. That's true. That's true. That feels very premeditated to me. Yeah. So anyway, that's what ended up happening. Now, in uh, 1972 through 1976, uh, the death penalty was suspended in the state of Ohio. So since the death penalty was suspended during the time that the crime was actually committed, despite the fact that he was retried in 1982, he could not be um, sentenced to death because of when the crime occurred. Hmm. So he was sentenced instead to two life, or I'm sorry, yeah, two life sentences, one for each count, and they were to be served consecutively. So either way, we've done this three times now, and he's still serving life. Right. And he is currently incarcerated in the Franklin Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio, which is a unit of the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction. So he's in the the mental institution sure, side sure. of... Corrections. Yeah. Yeah. He had a parole hearing in June of 1995, in April of 2015, and was denied both of those. And he's scheduled for a parole again in February of 2025. He will be 90 years old when that happens. Damn. He's still alive and kicking at this point. And all of the victims were buried at Arlington Memorial Gardens in Cincinnati, Ohio. Since then, the items in the house were auctioned off and the house went into foreclosure and the house was auctioned off as well. The house was cleaned and it was recarpeted, but oh, the wood was no, not replaced. No. What? That's a biohazard. You, you're telling me. And it was rented to a new family and the new family was not from Ohio. So they didn't know. And they didn't ask. So... Nobody told them what had happened. Oh, so their rules are not like... I think Oregon, you have to disclose if something happened within the last three years. It's a, there's a time frame to yeah. it, yeah. Um, to this day, bloodstains can still be seen on the wood in the basement. I've no. seen photos of it. Ew. I have seen photos of it. I will share it in the Murder Lovers Facebook group. Maybe on Instagram. I'll decide. There will be some here and there. Um... <laughs> But so they went downstairs and they were like, what the the fuck is this? You know, like, what is this? Yeah. Um, There's like a very obvious stain or whatever. 
uh, and there's stains everywhere. And they ended up vacating the house because they said they heard voices and unexplained <gasps> noises. No. They said lights would turn on and off, doors would slam, and they heard thudding st- footsteps coming down the stairs. Oh, no. Not no, up. No, no, no. Down. No, 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 no. The woman who lives there now, or like the most recent tenant that I read about, she lived there in 2014. She said that often people will literally just come up to her house. She says sometimes on a weekly basis, people knock on her door and they're like, do you know what happened here? And when the owner of the house lived there for a time period, he said that would happen quite a bit where people would come up. Just random people? Come up and randomly ask to see the house. And he said that he one time had a group of like teenage girls that came up to the house and he was like, Girl Scout cookie time or whatever. And they were like, we were just wondering if we could see if we could bi- find any bullet holes in your house. And he was like, the fuck? absolutely not. Don't ever come back to my house ever again. This is trespassing. <laughs> and so there's a very like still a very relevant interest in seeing the house, people wanting to go inside the house and like tour the house, if you will. Right. They will not allow it. It's like Lizzie Borden's house. Yeah. They're like, nope. Like, won't, will not allow it. Would you capitalize on that, though? I think it's a failed opportunity not to. Right. But at the same time, it's like, people did die there. Right. Tragically. Like, I do kind of, like, feel better about, like, them trying to maintain the peace. Especially if there are any type of any spirits that still remain. Like... I think maybe I would allow, like, reputable, I guess as reputable as, like, (laughs) ghost hunting... Yeah. Companies or whatever could be, but I would maybe let them in be like, hey, can you tell them to knock it off? Well, (laughs) that's the thing is like she talked, the tenant talked about like, they asked her, is this something you've ever considered? And she was like, I don't want to know if anything's here. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm good. She says she's never experienced anything herself. This was like families that had moved in like back in the like late 70s, early 80s. Gotcha. So she says, like, if there was something there, she doesn't think that there's anything there anymore. And she's mm. like, let bygones be gu- bygones. Let them rest in That's peace. That's true, too. Let's not disturb them, because they seem to be good now. Yeah. Damn, 11 people, though. Yeah. So that's the story of the Easter Sunday Massacre of 1975. Holy shit, 11 people, though. Yeah. That's so many. What a huge family. I know. While they're cooking dinner and eating chocolate. for him, it's like the family that he wanted and could never have. And then destroy it? It was almost like, it was almost like for his brother, he was like, if I can't have it, you're not going to either. God damn. At that point, though, I mean, he's been with his wife at least 18 years. Yeah. I'm assuming with the 17-year-old kid. But that's, oh, that's, that's sad. Yeah. Damn. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. <laughs> yeah. My All right. Well, grandparents would be real proud story. of me right now. <laughs> Shall we do Patreon shout outs? Yes, please. We have new Patreons. Yay. Um, first and foremost in the Murder Lovers Club, we have Megan. Hi, Megan. Thank Th- you. Thank you so much, Megan. Welcome. And also in the Murder Lovers Club, we have Gavin. Hey, Gavin. Hello, Welcome. Gavin. Thank you. Why do I get jazzed when it's a guy? Me? You know, I was thinking the exact same I thing. I, like, get jazzed about it. Like, <laughs> our audience is, like, 85% female, so when it's a guy, I'm like, hey, well, I mean, welcome. 15% um, 
is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying 15% is all male. We have other categories of people that identify as other or um, choose not to disclose. But when yeah. it's a guy, I'm like, thank you. Like, yeah, you're thank not you. the norm. Thank you for being here and listening to us two women. Right. <laughs> so here and talk about murder. Right. Uh, but by and large, like, the true crime community is female. So, like, when we have a male... Not only a male listener, but a male supporter. Supporter. I just love it. Very. Yep. So, special shout out to you, Gavin. Yes. So, thanks, Megan. Thanks, Gavin. Love ya. Also, we got the best, the best, best, best feedback from last week's Q&A episode. Yep. You guys loved it. Um... I've already said my thank you on social media, but from the bottom of my heart, we got like the sweetest messages afterwards. Like, obviously, if you listen to the whole episode, it does get emotional. Tears are shed, all those different things. And people reached out with like the nicest, the nicest, kindest messages. <laughs> and it meant so, so, so much to me. Um, so thank you to those of you who did reach out. Since the Q&A episodes that episode in particular was so popular and people loved it. I think we're going to make it more frequent. It won't be a regular thing, but it will be a more frequent thing. So right. if you have questions, case episode questions after episodes, if you're like, I need to know more about that, or I need to know how you felt about feel about that. If it's personal things along the way that you think of anything like that, send us your questions and we yeah. will save them and incorporate them into a Q&A episode. Yep. So I think the format of just having an open question type thing where we're allowed to just talk about it, it makes for really good content because yeah. we're being honest, we're just talking amongst ourselves. And for a lot of those questions, like how you feel, I think we've learned through time that banter is not always welcome <laughs> when it comes to episodes so we cut straight yeah. to the chase and i think just organically we've we've truncated what we talk about or how much commentary we do while we're doing an episode so if you do have questions if they're just those open-ended type of things like how do you feel about this yeah. or the sentencing or the actual incident or anything like that we i think we're open to opening up about it so yeah or if you're like, Mackenzie, how is your allergy testing going? <laughs> like, I will answer that too. So yeah. anything like that, we will take your questions and we will answer them at some point, maybe like quarterly or something yeah. like that. We'll just save them up and then we'll do Q&As. Um, like by and large, people were like, I felt like I was just like talking to my friends. Like my friends and I were just talking about stuff and it. like getting to know each other and stuff like that. It was like bonding. So that's like our plan. And if you know anything about me, I would 100% not know any of these questions because Mackenzie will be gathering yes, them. Yes, I will, <laughs> I will gather them and save them. So you'll get Fatina's honest reaction and my <laughs> contemplated reaction. Yep. All, All right. right. That's Thank it. you. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.